Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, I'm excited to be with you all. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 16, the Gospel of John chapter 16. If, uh, just kind of as a recap this morning, we've been in this series in April called This Changes Everything, centered around the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that what he did for us on that cross and then his resurrection truly changes everything. So in week one, we looked at Jesus as our redemption, that he is our redeemer, that he on the cross bought us out of slavery to sin, self, and Satan. Amen? That we are free in Jesus Christ. The second week, which was Easter, we looked at our rejoicing, that because the grave is empty, we have new life resurrection life in Jesus Christ. That we once were dead in our sin, but now we are alive to God because of Jesus. And then last week, we looked at our reality. So because of what Christ has done, because of his life, death, and resurrection, now we have a new reality. We've been saved by grace through faith. And we looked at Romans chapter 4 and chapter 5, that we now stand in the grace of God. So we don't have to wonder if we're okay with God or not. No, because of Jesus, we get to stand confidently in God's grace at peace with God. Changes everything. Today, our fourth week, got one more week after today, but our fourth week, uh, our focus is our relationship. That if you have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus, you've trusted his finished work on the cross, that the, he has spent the Holy Spirit to come and to live inside of you, that you have a relationship with him, that God himself lives inside of you. That is awesome. <laughs> that changes everything. And here's the deal. It's not like one day when you're spiritual enough or one day when you get a second blessing. No, if you know Jesus right now, today, in this moment, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That is a reality, your relationship with him. You know, there, there are different responses <clears throat> to the Holy Spirit and re- really talking about the Holy Spirit. If you've grown up in church very often or even just uh, acquainted with churches, you know there's, there's different opinions. So uh, typically churches tend to like, kind of go towards extremes of either obsessing over the Holy Spirit or of I- ignoring the Holy Spirit. It's like if you walk into a church and before the worship service starts, people are stretching out because they're getting ready to run down the aisles. You may know they are a little more obsessed. They may have a little more extreme version of, of who the Holy Spirit is. But you go to other churches and you, you say the words Holy Spirit and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, we know of no such thing. We tend to obsess or ignore and neither one are really healthy. My prayer, my hope this morning is that we would walk out knowing not just more about the Holy Spirit, but knowing that we get to walk every moment in the person, the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that Jesus said it's better for the Holy Spirit to be inside of you than the Holy Spirit Excuse me, it's better for the Holy Spirit to be inside of you than for Jesus to walk beside you. 
Jesus said that. Now, if you don't believe me, look at, I told you to turn to John 16. Look at verse 7. He says, maybe I told you, I hear a lot of pages flipping. Did I not say John 16? I apologize. (laughs) John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to unpack that in a little bit. But the Holy Spirit, the counselor, will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. So there it is right there. Jesus himself is saying, it's better that I go away after my death and resurrection, ascend to heaven. It's better for that than me to stay right beside you. It's better for the Holy Spirit to be in you than me to be right beside you. Which I, I believe Jesus, but just like if we're honest, it would be incredible to have Jesus beside you all the time, right? Let's just, let's just be honest. Like, think about the deep theological questions you could ask Jesus. Like, Jesus, seriously, tell me the truth. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? <laughs> I need to know. Or think about it. You're at a party, and you run out of food, and Jesus is like, no problem. Endless chicken nuggets. And they're not just any chicken nuggets. He's like, these are Chick-fil-A. This is the Lord's chicken, Right? <laughs> Sorry to bring up Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. They're closed. But. Or, you know, your, your dog dies, and he resurrects it. Your cat dies. He buries that hole just a little bit deeper. <laughs> Sorry for the cat people in the room. <laughs> we'll pray for you anyways. <clears throat> but seriously, joking aside, it would be awesome to have Jesus beside you all the time. So how can he say that? Let's just look at what he says about the Holy Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit inside me better than Jesus beside me? Look at, we're going to, on your sheet there, it says John 14 through 16. Don't worry. I'm not going to preach two whole chapters. Nobody wants to see me do that, okay? We're going to kind of hit a few different places in these two chapters, where, uh, really three chapters, where we see Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit. So the first one we're going to look at is John chapter 14, verse 15. John 14, verse 15. And as Jesus is saying this, he's, he's making his way to the cross. That's where he's headed. <clears throat> he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever." He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. First truth we need to see here. The Holy Spirit is the help you need in every moment. The Holy Spirit is the help you need in every moment. He's there with you. So wherever you find yourself, however you are feeling, and in whatever you are facing, the Holy Spirit is there with you. Now, a few things that maybe should jump out of your attention. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You may wonder, what is the connection between Jesus talking about obedience, loving him, and the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus is talking about some objective 
truths. These are things that are factually true of you as a believer if you know Jesus. One is that if you, if you know him, you love him, you have a relationship with him, you're going to obey him. If you think back to a couple of series ago when we did First John, that was a common theme, that to, to know Jesus is to obey him. Someone says, yeah, I know Jesus, but they act like they've never met him. Then clearly they don't know him. If you love him, you're going to obey him. And just as that is an objective, factual truth, he says, if you love me, you're going to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Again, not just one day when you figure everything out, not just one day when, when you follow him perfectly and obey perfectly, no, but if you love him, have a relationship with him, you now have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And it's not based on how good you are. If you get to this certain level of spirituality, look at what he says. Verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So the Holy Spirit residing in you is not dependent upon, based on you, it's dependent upon, based on the promise of Jesus of him asking the Father to give us the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit residing in you is not dependent on you, it's dependent on Jesus. And that's why we, we know there's not this, well, I have the Spirit and then it leaves me. No, we have him forever because of the promise of Jesus. And he says, I'll ask the Father, he will give you another counselor. I mentioned that word a second ago that I would unpack it, counselor. So the word there in Greek is paraclete. And you probably, amongst this room, there's probably several translations if you're using different versions. I'm using the Christian Standard Bible. I know there's New King James in here. There's ESV, NIV. But it's an incredibly rich word, which is why there's several translations like advocate, helper, counselor, comforter. Which one is it? Most scholars would say say to you, it's kind of all of those. It's such a rich word. It's really two words mashed up. So paraclete. So para is the word of comfort by being near. Where's the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian? In here. That's pretty near. <laughs> Para, word of comfort. Cleat, a word of confrontation. The idea is that it's someone coming alongside you who confronts that which is outside of you that would want to harm you or come against you, but it also confronts that which is inside of you that causes problems. That's what the Holy Spirit does, right? He's near, he's a comforter, but he also helps us grow in Christ and protects us as he confronts the world around us that would pull us away from Christ, but also confronts the sin within that would lead us away from Christ. He's a paraclete. He's comforter, counselor, advocate, helper, helper, excuse me. You know, by definition, because he is those things, it's a reminder to us that I need all of those things. All of us need comfort, counsel. We need an advocate. We need a helper. And that's exactly who the Holy Spirit is. He is the paraclete. Notice right before we counselor, or if you're says, you know, comforter or helper, it says another. He will give you another counselor. So in Greek, there, there are two different words for another. One means another of the same kind. The other word means another of a different kind. Jesus uses here for another. He uses the word another for, excuse me, another of the same kind. Here's why that is awesome. What Jesus is showing and telling us is that the work that Christ began 
on the cross for you, the Holy Spirit continues in you. The, the grace, the mercy, the love of God shown on the cross, the Holy Spirit now is working and teaching that inside of you. So it's not this Jesus and Holy Spirit is doing, doing totally different things. No, the Holy Spirit is taking me deeper into what Christ has done for me. And that helps me in every moment find comfort, find counsel, find help. He says he's the spirit of truth. We're going to unpack that more in a little bit. He says the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. So the world as in the worldview, the mindset, the people that are rebelling against God, that want nothing to do with God, that reject God and his authority, they, re they reject Jesus and what he's done for the world, they push him away. He says, the world doesn't see him or know him because that world is profoundly, or you could say terribly materialistic. So because the spirit is spirit and you can't touch the spirit, it says the world doesn't even recognize him. But you, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Again, this is before Pentecost, before Acts 2. Now we're on this side of Pentecost. We know that as believers, the Holy Spirit is now in us and we do know his voice. He remains in us, the spirit of truth. With you forever, he says in verse 16. And in the end of verse 17, he's remaining with us and in us forever, in every single moment. You know, by nature, by definition, because he's the Holy Spirit, that leads us to this concept that God is meant to invade and permeate every aspect of our life. You know, if he was, if it's just Jesus beside us all the time, then we'd be fighting after church, maybe even physically, I don't know, about who Jesus was going to come with to help us that week. But because it's the Spirit, we all get to walk out of here with the help of God with us in every moment. Very deep question for you. The, the choice is between waffles and pancakes. Raise your hand if you're a pancake person. Mm. All right, I'm judging you guys. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're a waffle person. Amen. You like the crispiness, right? Come on now. Thank you. All right. Well, if you're a waffle person, you chose the wrong one. I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> Even though they do taste better. <laughs> Story of your life. I respect that. Why am I telling you this? I had a college professor in Bible college who, who did, shared this idea with us. And I, at first, I looked at him like, you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? But it stuck with me for a long time. Maybe it'll stick with you. He said, a lot of us are like, we treat our lives and our relationship with God like waffles in that we like to compartmentalize our lives. So we have our little, my church life, my family life, my work life, my friend life, on and on and on and on. And so you just, you put, you put the syrup where you want in each little pocket of life. He said, y'all need to quit being waffles and be like pancakes where the syrup can go wherever it desires. <laughs> now that's silly, but it's effective. But just the nature of who the spirit is, God is telling us his desire is to invade and to permeate and be a part of every aspect of your life. Not just relegated to the days that you choose. It's Sunday. 
Like, I love country music, but it's kind of, it is laughable that like every song seems like it talks about worship God on Sunday, but on Monday I'm cussing. Like, that's compartmentalizing your faith. The Holy Spirit is to walk with you and help you in every aspect of your life, in every moment of your life. One last thing I want to show you in this text. Verse 17 says, he is the spirit of truth. It's a personal pronoun. Jesus never refers to the spirit as it. It's always, the spirit is always he. Maybe some of you are like me in that you're cold or distant to the idea of the spirit working in your life because you just tend to think of it as kind of this, like this energy or this force. And Jesus is telling you, no, he is a person that you get to do life with, relationship. Because of my uh, role here at the church, I have the privilege of getting to walk with a lot of couples uh, into their marriage and through premarital counseling. But even, even after the wedding, I love following up with them. And even just, I guess it was two or three weekends ago, my wife and I had two couples over that we had done their, performed their weddings last summer and had them over to the house just to catch up, see how life was going and talk marriage life. And I love to ask couples, hey, what's, um, what's the best part of marriage? And just, just so you know, like typically, uh, most of the time, these are couples who um, had never lived together before and were not sleeping together before they got married. Now, when I younger, I was 24 when I first came to Southcrest, and I remember I would ask that, couple, that question to couples, and I just assumed I knew what the guy was going to say, if you know what I mean. But without fail, I've done, I think I'm approaching 30 weddings, without fail, every time the couple says, the best part is that we don't have to say goodbye to each other. Like, we get to go home at night, and I don't have to kiss her goodnight. We can just stay together. Why is the Holy Spirit inside you better than Jesus beside you? Because you never have to say goodbye. In every hardship, in every sorrow, in every temptation, he is there, and he is the help you need to encourage, to counsel, to comfort, and to confront that which would keep you away from your walk with Christ. He's there to help. You know, one of the most prominent ways that we see the Holy Spirit helping people in the New Testament is he helps them as they are a witness for Jesus, as they just tell other people about who Jesus is and what he's done. Look over in chapter 15, verse 26. He says, when the counselor comes... The paraclete comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. You also will testify, you will witness, is the idea, because you have been with me from the beginning. And then he goes on in chapter 16 to talk about the difficulties and the persecutions they're going to experience as they live and witness for Jesus. Now look at verse 8. When he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world about three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then he unpacks this idea in verse nine. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Here's the second truth we see about the Holy Spirit. Why it's better for him to be in us than just to have Christ beside us is this. The Holy Spirit 
shows people their need for Jesus. The Holy Spirit shows lost people that they are lost and need Jesus. And friends, before you and I trusted Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit had to do for us. To awaken our hearts to our need, our desperate need for Jesus Christ to save us. He says the Holy Spirit convicts. So this is, the idea is to create an awareness that's even in your gut. So not just that you get a mental knowledge, but that even in your gut, there's an, there is an awareness of your need for Jesus. And look how he unpacks it. He convicts of sin because they do not believe in Jesus. So every single human, Apart from the saving work of the Holy Spirit on our own, we are left dead in our sin. And rather than believing in Jesus, that he is God, the son, the savior of the world, we choose to think that the things, we choose to think that the things of the world are better and more satisfying than Jesus. We believe the lies of the world over the truth of Jesus Christ and therefore are dead in our sins and trespasses and headed to hell apart from Jesus Christ. So it says the spirit is coming to convict of that. It's the first thing. Spirit's coming to Vic. Secondly, of righteousness. Righteousness being right relationship with God. That you, because of a right relationship with God, then do what is right in your relationship with God and in your relationship with others. The point Jesus is making, none of us are righteous. No one does what is right. Jesus, as you read the Gospel of John, he refers back to the prophet Isaiah a lot. And I really think here he's thinking in his mind and talking about what Isaiah said, that before God, our righteousness is as filthy rags. That even on your best day, there's nothing to present to God and go, look at that, I'm really, I'm really righteous. No, even on your best day, your righteousness apart from Jesus is disgusting and repulsive to God. And so he's saying, I'm leaving, but the Spirit's going to come and continue this message of showing you your need for a righteous one on your behalf, which is exactly who Jesus is. So we talked about last week that Jesus took on the wrath of God for us, the propitiation. He took on the wrath of God for us. It was poured out on him so that God could pour out the grace of God on us instead. We needed Jesus to be righteous for us. Jesus saying the Holy Spirit shows people their need of that righteousness. And then thirdly, Verse 11, he will also convict about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Uh, I think a helpful way to, to understand that is the world misjudges Jesus. The world has these inaccurate views of who Jesus is and inaccurate views of who we are and therefore our need of Jesus. Where, it's not a trick question, where does every lie about Jesus or every lie period, where does it find its source? Where does every lie come from? From hell, from Satan. He's the father of lies. If his lips are moving, he's lying, lying, lying. That's what he does. He says, the ruler of this world has been judged. So he's saying people apart from Christ are under judgment because they've believe the lies of Satan, which has led them to misjudge Jesus. And Satan is under judgment because the cross condemns Satan. We know what his end is. Amen. 
He is condemned. He's under judgment. And so those who have not believed in Jesus, but have instead believed the lies of Satan, they are under judgment. So now don't miss this. Jesus is saying, in spite of how broken, how sinful, how messed up we are as humans, that we deserve judgment, death, hell, and damnation, that this spirit as a gift comes to convict us of our need for Jesus. That is grace and that is mercy. And don't miss, how is that? How is the Holy Spirit inside me and him working in me and through me to convict other people? How is that better than Jesus beside me? Because when we walk out these doors and you go to work or to school or to hang out with your friends tomorrow, wherever you go, wherever we are there, and you look around this room, there are this many witnesses of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit will be working in and through every single one of us to convict and point people to Jesus. If it was just Jesus beside us, again, we'd be having a little knockdown drag out about who gets to take Jesus to witness to their friends. Jesus says, no, no, it's better than that. The Holy Spirit goes with every single believer. And he does what you and I can't do. He convicts. Friend, do you know that you can share the gospel and you should. You can tell other people Bible verses and you should, but you and I do not have the power to convict people. Actually, you know what? Probably, no, no, factually, there have been people that have kind of pushed away from hearing about Jesus Christ because you've tried to convict and that's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. My mom used to tell me to, when I was talking to my sisters occasionally, she would say, remember, you're not their Holy Spirit. It's not my job. Think about it. some of y'all, maybe it's spring, even though, well, actually it's winter today, but it's supposed to be spring. Maybe you plant in a garden. You go and you plant a seed out in the ground and you water it. That's good. You, that's great. You take care of it that way. It would be ridiculous for you to go out and yell at that seed to grow or to call your friends and say, I'm just really worried about the direction of this seed. I just, let's just talk about how worried we are or to send 20,000 Facebook messages to the seed. No, what you do is you rely on the sun to do what it does best. You take care of the seed, you tend to it, but you rest knowing the sun does its job. Friends, share the gospel. Tend to that seed through loving relationship and pointing them to the scriptures lovingly, but then rely on the Holy Spirit to do what he does best, to bring conviction, to draw people to Jesus. We get to rest and rely on the Holy Spirit to show people their need for Jesus. So Holy Spirit, he, he does what you can't do in the life of someone else, but he also does what you can't do in your own life. Keep reading in verse 12 with me. Jesus says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Now flip back over to chapter 14, verse 25. Jesus says, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. 
But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Here's the third point. It's this. The Holy Spirit opens your eyes to the endless wonders of Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps you see just how amazing Jesus is. It makes me think of Ephesians chapter three, verse eight, where Paul is describing Jesus and all that we have in Christ. And he, just, he says, the incalculable, the immeasurable treasure of Jesus Christ. Like just when you've dug your, your hands into that treasure of Jesus and you think you've got them all figured out, there's more treasure to be found in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to what that is. Look at verse uh, chapter 14, verse 26. He says, I would teach you all things. Now, he doesn't mean literally all things like, I'm going to take this calculus course at tech and I'm going to dominate it. Like, not literally every single thing. You know, he's referring to all things pertaining to the life, death, resurrection, and reign of Jesus Christ. He unpacks the riches of all those things. And he reminds us of everything that Christ has told us, of who he is and who we are in him. It makes me think, you're welcome to turn there. You don't have to, I'll read it for you. It makes me think of another passage in Ephesians chapter one and verse 17. This is a prayer of Paul for the Ephesian church. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father would give you the spirit, capital S, of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. On our own, walking with Jesus, we would be oblivious to just how incredible he is. But the Holy Spirit begins to enlighten and open our eyes. Now flip back to that passage we read at the beginning of this point in verse 12 of chapter 16, 12 through verses 12 through 15, two things I want you to see. I mentioned I would unpack this earlier. He says, refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth who will guide us into all the truth. And he will declare, he says down in verse 14, he will take from what is mine, Jesus, and declare it to you, to believers. The Holy Spirit will never contradict scripture. He's a spirit of truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you think back to John chapter one, it says the word was with God, the word was God, word is God. And he's talking about Jesus, that Jesus is the word of God. So as the Holy Spirit, as the spirit of truth, glorifies Jesus and takes from what is Christ and, and tells it to us, it will always agree with scripture. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, I have a word from the Lord, I would encourage you, like lean into that. Don't go, no, get away from me, you're weird. Like they want to encourage you with something that's like God has given to them. You can hear them out, but then check it with scripture. It's always going to agree with scripture. It's going to make much of Jesus just as scripture does. So it says in verse 14, the spirit will glorify me. It'll glorify Christ. So again, the spirit unpacks, shows us, unveils the mercy, the grace, the treasure that we have in Jesus Christ. It's what he does. You know, it makes me think of, of our team in Israel right now. 
I'm a little jealous if I'm honest that they're there. But amen. But they they have a guide. So they have Pastor David there with them showing them some things, which is awesome. But they also, every every time the church goes, they they like kind of center their trip around getting this particular guide because he's so good. His name is Yuval. And he walks with their team, 50 people, and they, they all have earpieces. So it's not limited to just whoever's closest to Yuval. They all have earpieces. So even if they're from me to the commons out there, from Yuval, they can still hear him. And they're walking along these different places that they've read about in Scripture and heard about, maybe even Googled and seen before. But as they're walking along, Yuval is there to help point out things they might would miss. I was texting with on Friday with Mark and Pam Copeland. Pam is the children's director here at the church. And just asking how they were doing, helping to have a great time praying for them. And Mr. Mark wrote back, he said, we're having a blast. Yuval is showing us so, so many amazing things. And it's like the Bible, we're seeing it in 4D. Just so, so many incredible things. Because partly, one of the reasons is Yuval is saying, hey, come here, don't miss this. You've read about this, but make sure you see this insight here. Or like, don't walk past that. That's kind of what the Holy Spirit does, right? As we read scripture, as we walk through life, the Holy Spirit in us is there to point out and say, hey, don't miss this about Jesus. Isn't that why? It's so amazing. You can read scripture. You read a story 20 times and you read it again. You're like, oh, I never saw that. Is it because you found something new? Lord knows that's not true. <laughs> is it because uh, I'm all of a sudden super smart? No, the Holy Spirit is helping me see what has been there all along. He guides us. And again, why is that the Holy Spirit in us better than Jesus beside us? Because we all get to walk out of here today and every single one of us can continue to hear from the Holy Spirit. So we all got that little earpiece, right? I hear you. It's not dependent on one person being next to him. So in summary, three things. The Holy Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside of us because he opens our eyes to the endless wonders of Jesus. He shows people their need for Jesus. And he's your help in every single moment. I remember I was about 17 years old and I was doing summer missions in Jacksonville, Florida, where I grew up. Was, I grew up in the country. I was doing some inner city um, ministry. And one particular week, I was on kitchen duty, which spelled bad news for everybody for multiple reasons. <laughs> but one of the duties of kitchen duty was the, the kitchen staff uh, also had to take care of the lawn that week. And I remember I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday, it didn't really matter, but I was out mowing the lawn. And I'm 17, I mowed the lawn plenty of times before, but this particular day, it, it was really difficult to mow the lawn, which I, mean, I thought maybe it was just hot. So if you've never been to Jacksonville, it's similar to Houston. So it's really hot. And the second you walk outside, you start sweating, right? Just super humid. So I thought maybe that's the problem. Well, I go in for lunch and our director, the, the guy in charge said, you look, you look rough. Like you're sweating way too much to be mowing, like, what's going on? I said, man, it's just hot outside. He said, okay, whatever. I figured he was just, you know, being a concerned pastor. Well, I go back outside after lunch to continue mowing the lawn, and I hear someone yell at me from the balcony up top. So I turn off the mower. He says, what are you doing? I'm mowing the lawn. He said, what is wrong with you? I said, I, I, I don't know. Pastor Nick said, hey, when you turn it on, grab that other handle. I turn it on. Woo! <laughs> it was self-propelled, and I didn't know it. <laughs> so I'm out there pushing this mower. And if you know a self-propelled mower, like, 
they're harder to push if you're not accessing the power that's already there, right? What was funny, it became way more effective and way more enjoyable when I accessed the power that was there all along. <laughs> that's what was kind of silly about it. Friends, how many, how many of you, you're, you're living this Christian life? And no matter what, it's difficult, but you're being less effective and finding, and finding way less delight than you should in it because you're not accessing the power that's been there all along. The Holy Spirit in you to guide you, to comfort you, to counsel you, to lead you, to help you. He's there to help. If you're like me, that, that, it, the Holy Spirit, if I'm honest, I don't know if it's, I don't want to be too general, but sometimes I think growing in a, up in a Baptist church, which I did and am in the proud Baptist, but I think we sometimes kind of shy away from talking about the Holy Spirit for various reasons. And so the Holy Spirit is, is if I'm honest, still to this day, it still feels foreign to me. I want to give you a few quick things. I promise we're done. Four words to help you if you want to lean in to walking in the person, power, and presence of the Holy Spirit. Number one, real shocker, pray. <laughs> pray. Ask him for his help. Ask him to lead you, to guide you, to comfort you. Pray. Number two, pause. Take time through your day to slow down and to listen to his voice. You ever go, you ever go to lunch with somebody and you get back in the car and you think, I don't, I think they could have gone to lunch by themselves because they just talked the whole time. Like, like they didn't need me. They just talked. I think I'm afraid that sometimes the Holy Spirit may feel that way with us. Like, Brandon, are you ever going to listen? <laughs> like, he, he wants to speak to us. Lauren and I have a friend who is so well-practiced at pausing to hear the Holy Spirit. She's not awkward or weird about it. You'll just be talking with her, and every now and then she'll just kind of stop and just for two seconds just listen to how the Holy Spirit is guiding her. Pause. Number three, ponder. Ponder. Specifically, Scripture. That's what I'm talking about. Meditate on Scripture. The more Scripture you know, the more ammunition you are giving the Holy Spirit to combat the things of your heart that would keep you away from God. The more Scripture you know, the more lead you are giving the Holy Spirit to guide you in your life. Ponder the depths of Scripture. Number four, practice. Practice living out your faith. Practice walking with Jesus. If, if you're not practicing walking out, living out your faith, like what is the Holy Spirit going to help you with? What is he going to encourage you with? How is he going to empower you as you're a witness for Christ? If you're not practicing your faith, as you step out in faith and practicing your faith, Holy Spirit will be there to guide you, to lead you, to help you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. 